there are at least maybe 10 to 12 uh, different gods there in Egypt. But before they're released, the children of Israel, they were told to slay a lamb in the afternoon of the 14th of Aviv, paint its blood around the doorway, the two side posts and, and the lintel, and to roast the lamb and then eat it that night. And around midnight, the story goes, we've read about it we've, over the years, that when the death angel would see the blood, it would pass over that house, pass over that house, and spare the life of the firstborn of those who dwelt therein. That night, there came a great cry of anguish among the Egyptians, and Pharaoh said, for the children of Israel, for Moses, for them to leave immediately, and so they spoil the Egyptians. You know, that's a story that you can read about. But we know that they did not have time to let the, uh, their bread rise, and so they took along with them unleavened bread on their journey into the wilderness. So this afternoon, we'll take a look back to see when these days started and how it was to be observed and where it leads in our time today. So we'll review some of these events. Beginning in the Old Testament, uh, won't cover everything, but then we'll end in the, the New Testament. But let's begin in the book of Exodus chapter 12. According to the instructions that God gave to Moses, he said, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, uh, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house, or for each family. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house uh, just join in. Because uh, sometimes you don't have enough uh, on, the, on the bone to go around, and sometimes you just have to join with your neighbor. But it, that was the, one of the instructions that was given to the people. He said, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the, uh, the sheep or from the goats, you know, the small, the small cattle, and you shall keep it until the 14th of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it in the afternoon. The afternoon. So this lamb was to be kept up from the 10th day of the first month until the 14th day when it was to be slain. And verse 7, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper post of the houses wherein they shall eat, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And verse 9, don't eat of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head, with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. So you know, that's with all the parts that are intact, and it was to be roasted whole. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. So you may imagine how the children of Israel were uh, hearing these instructions and wondering what it was all uh, uh, to do. For, and then it says, And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. 
for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where you got the name. I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So that plague was to bring death to all the firstborn in Egypt. Verse 14, And this day shall be for you a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And so on the days that are coming up, we, you know, we are in obedience to that uh, instruction. Verse 15, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So it says that that person will be cut off, that is separated or excluded from the assembly, along with whatever privileges that would, might result also in death for disobedience. Even on the first day, leaven was to be cast out as part of a continuing search for leaven that in our time today we see it as symbolic of sin because leaven puffs up. Even a little leaven, as the Apostle Paul said, leavens the whole lump. So one may apply various uh, meanings to what may be seen in the leaven, it may, but it may cause us to think of the many times uh, where we see sin or there is sin that, that is unseen, which have corrupted our steps along life's way. Now, thankfully, we have Jesus Christ, our Passover sacrifice for us, who is our personal Savior and who has spared us through his sacrifice from being cut off due to sin. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 5, 48, he said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now we ask ourselves, are we perfect? Do we have sin? The scripture says that we all come short of the glory of God. So that's why we need the daily unleavened bread of Christ through his word to dwell in us and to live by. And it's in his righteousness that we live and as we press toward that high calling that is given to us. We read in scripture too where it says not many wise are called, not many noble or you know, wealthy or anyone that uh, thinks that because, as mentioned I think in, in the previous message, those who may boast and rely on their gains saying that, thinking that gain is godliness instead of following Christ. So we have a high calling. Christians have been given a high calling. calling look at your own personal self. You have been given a high calling, one that is pretty much out of the ordinary to do things that are unusual in the sight of the world and following Christ, like eating this leavened bread. I remember the first uh, time we ate unleavened bread. It took a little bit of good getting used to. It was called the bread of affliction, so that already set in my mind, this is something you're not going to enjoy doing. But like observing the days of unleavened bread, we're, we'll be eating nothing leaven. 
But in doing so, in Philippians 3, verses 14 through 15, that we're to press toward the mark. The Apostle Paul said to the uh, Philippians, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the same calling that we have been given. And that's what we're pressing toward is that, that mark of that high calling. And then in verse 15, he says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So, you know, we don't know everything, but as you mature, you become a, a little more perfect as time goes along. In 1 Peter 2, 9, he says to us, to his children, to his people, he said, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So that's, that's the, uh, what we're living. That's the aim for which we are living, by knowing that you are a chosen people and that we are called out of darkness into wonderful light. Let's continue in Exodus 12, verse 15. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses, for whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And, verse 16, and in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. So the first day is a holy convocation, and the last day will be. And verse 17, you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this self same day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance for forever. I think as you look at the calendar that's uh, where these dates occur next week, they correspond uh, to that time. In the first month on the 14th day of the month at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 1 and 20, 20th day of the month at even. Now from Leviticus 23, verse 6, we see that the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you eat unleavened bread. And then, verse 19, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eats that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations shall you eat uh, unleavened bread. So I know some of us probably haven't started on, you know, uh, searching for that leaven and, and cleaning it out. And uh, like me, sometimes I'm, I'm rubbing my chin knowing that there's a big desk that I need to move because I know there's crumbs under there. But uh, we make a diligent search. In the same way as we heard, you know, last week's sermon about examining yourself that we have to do that that's what that's what's important about these days of unleavened bread is to look at ourselves search our uh, search out our life 
so that we can put it in order and remove and cast out sin in our life. Now, the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the hosts of Israel went out from the land of Egypt. So we see how God has established an order, holding true to, to the things, uh, you know, it says thy word is true. So from the day the children of Israel <clears throat> dwelt in Egypt to the day they departed out of the land of Egypt was 430 years. And that selfsame day, in the early morning hours of the 15th of Abib, they departed. In verse 42, it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed all the children of all the children of Israel in their generations. Some of us remember, you know, how, how uh, Steve and Matt would go over this night to be much observed. Because at that time we have been released from bondage. Christ, our God, has led us out of bondage. So as we see today, Egypt is pictured as a type of sin from which the children of Israel departed by the strong hand of the eternal, of the Lord. These people who are called and chosen to be his holy people. Verse 43, And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof, that is, you know, no foreigner is to partake of the Passover meal, but the children of Israel. But every man's servant that is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof, that is, these are temporary workers or hired help that might be passing through the land. So I imagine that strangers that were passing through the land looking for work would have no idea of, about what the Passover entails. But only after they sojourned among the Israelites for a while, uh, they could then appreciate what the Passover is all about. And it take, took some of us a, you know, a couple of Passovers to really understand what the Passover uh, entailed and what it was all about. Verse 46, in one house shall it be, you shall not carry forth out of the f uh, flesh abroad out of the uh, house. So, you know, there is no carry out meals, so, so to speak. And neither shall you break a bone thereof uh, of the Passover. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with you, and will keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised, and let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Verse 49, one law shall be to him that is home-born, and unto the stranger that sojourns among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Again, in Leviticus 23, 5 through 7, in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. The 15th day of the saved month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's where, where it begins that evening. Seven days you eat unleavened bread. And by the middle of the week, I suppose, like I, what usually happens to me, everything puffy looks good to me. Donuts and burgers and hot dogs and even 
before I start the the face of unleavened bread, I'm looking forward to a nice hamburger to hold to tide me over. But in the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. That's when we all gather together in, in an assembly, and that we shall do no work therein, because it is a Sabbath, a Sabbath day unto the uh, to the Lord. So as we put these days in order, we see that on the 14th day, the Passover lamb was slain. And that night, that's at the end of the 14th, which began the 15th, the Passover was eaten. And that occasion is called the night to be much observed. Exodus chapter 13, verse 9, we see that this is a memorial. And it shall be for a sign unto you upon your hand. And for a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand has the Lord brought you out of Egypt. So whatever we do, you know, how the, our actions, it's all governed by how we think about the, uh, about the law that God has given us. And, the, you know, the frontal lobes there, the forehead. So this memorial is a sign in obedience to the Lord our God and to the observance of the days of unleavened bread. So we know that God brought judgments upon Egypt and showed that there is no other than the eternal who brought down the false gods of Egypt. Some of us may remember uh, uh, Reggie Nolan giving uh, uh, a good uh, story, uh, facts about some of these gods and what they were and, and their names. But the king of Egypt was stubborn. He resisted every move of God until the death of the firstborn. And it took something strong like that for them to think about why uh, things like that may happen. And so this Passover, that Passover, uh, the death of the firstborn on the night of the Passover, it broke the will of the Egyptians. Now today we see the Passover lamb as a sacrifice that foreshadowed the sacrificial lamb in future holy day sacrifices. The lamb that was sacrificed pictured the coming sacrifice of the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, whose sacrifice would mean the forgiveness of sin and reconciliation uh, to God the Father. And so we know that some think it is weird that we eat unleavened bread for seven days, avoiding all leaven, perhaps throwing out a good loaf of bread or some tasty donuts because we kept it a little too long. So how, how, how odd it must appear to some when we do that and make a diligent search for breadcrumbs throwing out anything that has yeast or, yeast or uh, leavening in it. So the thing is, as we know, we see Jesus linked to the Passover surface sacrifice in which many did not all at that time all understand his spiritual complexities as we do today. Now, in the New Testament, the New Covenant, in the book of John, when Passover was nigh, beginning in verse 1, a, uh, verse 2, that is, a great multitude followed Jesus because they saw his miracles, which he did on those that were diseased. 
And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. So it was there by the Sea of Galilee that he fed the multitudes, uh, all 5,000 of them, five, on five barley loaves and uh, three small fishes. And they all sat down and ate, and there was still much left over. All had their fill. And when they had seen this miracle, they cried out of a truth, this is a prophet that should come into the world. And so Jesus perceived what they were thinking because they were, would soon grab him and grab him by force and make him a king. And so right away, Jesus decided to depart and get away from them. And he went to a mountain. And so when evening came, it was dark and Jesus had not yet come to the disciples. And uh, they took a boat to Capernaum. Verse 18, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about 25 or 30 furlongs, that's about three or four miles out, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing closer to the ship, and they were afraid. So one, we can imagine how that must have appeared, even though in spite of the many miracles that, that they had seen, here was Jesus walking on those stormy waves. In verse 20, he said unto them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they, you know, willingly, they received him, verse 21, into the boat. And it says, immediately the ship was at the land where they went. So it was at once, or instantly, or immediately, or suddenly, that they reached where they were going. It could mean soon, they soon reached, but this word immediately is from the Greek word, uh, 2112, which is used in John 5 9, where a man was made immediately whole. So it was a, a sudden and instant thing, however you may uh, view that. But verse 22 the following day, when the people on the other side of the sea saw there was none other boat there except the one that his disciples took, but that Jesus was not with his disciples in the boat. Howbeit, in verse 23, there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. And the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples. And they took shipping and they went, came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. Verse 25, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when did you come here? When camest thou here? So Jesus answered them, and he said, Truly I say unto you, truly, truly I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves, and you were filled. And then he says to them, Labor not for the meat, for the food which perishes, but for that food which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him has God the Father sealed. And so we see in John 6, verse 28, that there was those who said, What shall we do? Then said they unto him, What shall we do, that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered, said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. 
So that's been the message of most of Christianity is to get people to believe in God and look back to the miracles that he has done and that he is capable of doing those same things today. But they said, therefore, unto him in verse 30, well, what sign show you then that we may see and believe? What uh, do you work? And they said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gave you the true bread, gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. So like the manna that came down from heaven, so did Christ uh, come down from heaven, born uh, in, in human flesh. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that you also have seen me, but you believe not. But all that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Where he sees a belief in a person, that he, he will work with that belief, he will work with that faith, and will not uh, forsake him. Verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. So we have this promise that we can see in ourselves, that God has given us his promise that he will raise us up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We all look forward to that resurrection. We all look forward to that day when we can see our loved ones resurrected. But the Jews murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread of, uh, which came down from heaven. And they said, Isn't this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? So Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So it's written in the prophets, And they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that has heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. This, this learning, this knowledge is a process that takes time and exposure to, uh, to the knowledge of God and to grow in grace and knowledge. Verse 46, not that any man has seen the Father except he which is of God. He has seen the Father, speaking of himself. Verily, verily I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. He that believes on me has everlasting life. And he said, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, but are dead. But this is the bread which come, came, this is the bread which came down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. So that was temporary uh, bread that came down from heaven that kept the people from starving and, and being hungry. And Jesus said to them, 
in uh, John 6:51, again, uh, over and over, he says, I am the living bread come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So the Jews strove among themselves. Verse 52, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, verily I, verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So that was just symbolic of partaking in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because you don't literally uh, eat flesh and you don't literally drink blood. They were symbolic. He said, for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. <clears throat> we know that when you eat food that it turns to blood and as the scriptures tell us that life is in the blood. Verse 59, skip down to verse 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And many were offended and walked away. So as mentioned, the Passover lamb in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, pointed to the sacrifice of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He was perfect, he was without blemish. He was the son of God, and that, as 1 Corinthians says, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 7, that Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. In the book of John, we see a lot of references made to Jesus Christ, and we read at the beginning how that uh, John said that, about the pre-existence of Christ and his deity is saying that Jesus, the Word, was in the beginning, and that the Word was with God and was with the Father, and without him was not anything made. I'm just going to cite a few uh, scriptures in John chapter 1, verse 29. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. That includes all of us here. In John 4, 14, of himself, Jesus said, But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In John six thirty five, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes unto me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. We won't need those physical things to sustain our life, but through the power and the spirit of God that he gives us, we are able to live an everlasting life. John 8, 12. Then spake again Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And in John 10, verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. You know, in our society today, people are searching, people are looking for some sort of answer to the life that they are living. And just like 
a salesman might, they, they go knock on a door. In this case, they go knock on the door because Jesus said, I am the door, and he opens it, and he's there to answer uh, whatever it is that one may have in their hearts and in their minds. In John 10, verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So the Passover lamb we know pointed to Christ as our Savior who laid down his life for his friends. That famous scripture, John 3, 16, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to skip uh, the paragraph on John 20 and go down to 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, where the Apostle Paul said, he said, Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we see that the world has waywardness. It has sins, and it can have an effect on all of us and corrupt us. It's like an analogy I gave once upon a time where... Uh, close to where we lived in Eufaula that uh, you could be walking along and you get these little stick tights, these cockle burrs, and then you pull them off. That's kind of like the world. We're walking in the world and sometimes we wind up with those things that we have to pull off and, and cast away. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 5 that we're to purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. Even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He said in verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetousness, or extortionists, or with idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. But I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that does those things who is called a brother. So purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. You know, Jesus laid down our life so that we could, we could do those things. Now we know that he said in Matthew 4, 4, 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So this is our shield against the wiles of the desert who deceives the whole world. 1 Corinthians 10, there are some examples here that we are to avoid. He said, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual food did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. In verse 7, it tells us some examples we don't want to follow. Neither be ye idolaters. Verse 8, neither let us commit fornication. Verse 9, 
let us not tempt, neither let us tempt Christ. And verse 10, neither murmur. Verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admission, our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Go down to John chapter 13. Now therefore, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Jesus, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. So we'll be redoing that come the, the communion. Jesus answered, because people were wondering. They said, and he said unto them, uh, unto Jesus, unto them, his disciples, what I do you don't know now, but you shall know hereafter. Down to verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know what I've done to you. You call me master and Lord? You say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Now this reading you'll hear uh, later on in, at the communion. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Second Peter chap, uh, chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 says that we should be partakers because we've been given all things that pertain to life exceeding great and precious promises and godliness, that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 17 through 19 says to keep the commandments. It says you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And ye shall do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. They had enemies, you know, armies that stood in the path of the Hebrews. But the Lord paved the way, gave his people victory over all, over all those things just as he promised. Now today we have enemies of different sorts that threaten our life, foes that war against us spiritually, physically, which some have given into, though they've been warned to watch and pray and, and not forget the word of God and neglect putting on the spiritual armor of God. So ours is a spiritual battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but wickedness in high places. Hebrews chapter 2, <clears throat> just going to highlight that that we should give earnest heed to sound words and 
the advice of the scriptures. Mark 14, chapter 12, about preparing for the Passover. Remember, you know, Jesus asked, uh, the disciples asked Jesus where they wanted him to prepare, where they wanted to go and prepare the Passover. And so he sent them to a man who was carrying a uh, vase of uh, water, which kind of was like a, probably a prearranged signal that the disciples would recognize because in those days, usually it was the women that carried what I read in the commentary that carried the water vessels and the men carried the wine skins. So they took the cup and gave thanks, gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them in verse 25, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So supper had ended and he had instituted a memorial to show the Lord's death till he come and instituted the uh, sacraments of the bread and the wine. Finally, uh, here to the last page, John wrote in the book of Revelation, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto uh, me, these are the true sayings of God that he told them to watch and pray that in verse in 2 Corinthians 13 5 to examine ourselves whether you be in the faith prove your own selves know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you unless you be reprobates so if Christ isn't living in you you will fail and to the seven churches that Dave uh, mentioned some of them. He, uh, John wrote about their uh, strengths and about their uh, uh, con uh, gave them com condemnations about their strengths and weaknesses and also the rebukes that was uh, given. So some you know, at one time thought this was uh, the age of Christianity as it came in chronological order, but this applies to any age to any spiritual condition of a church or to an individual. But the call is to repent, to look and see where they need change. So each of these churches, these uh, seven churches, had some leavening to cast out. Like some of them, each were exhorted to change. Like some were told to return to the first love, to stay faithful, to hold to the truth, to not compromise, but to wake up. So as we see in Revelation 2, that it is an exhortation to all of us today and as in the first message, as David's uh, the scripture says, as many as I love, I rebuke. So remember the high calling of God when we first began the first love that makes us a peculiar treasure unto God. So let us draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. Finally, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 through 8. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. <clears throat> 